Welcome to Brains, a podcast exploring the inner workings of our brains and how film and television portrays them. Hosted by me, writer and director Heather Taylor. And by me, film and television editor Sarah Taylor, aka the Taylor Sisters. Before we begin, I want to acknowledge that the lands from which we recorded this podcast are part of territories that have long served as a gathering place for diverse Indigenous peoples, and we are thankful, as guests on this land, to be able to live, work, and gather here. Today is our first episode, and we'll be talking about identity, how we see ourselves, how we think others see us, and all the facets that make us, us. So, Heather and I are sisters. And we always talk about our brains, and we have for many, many years. Um, Heather recently was diagnosed with ADHD, true story, and I've dealt with um, mental health issues my entire life. So discussing how our brains work has always been part of our, I don't know, every conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we thought, why don't we like start recording this stuff and dig deeper and like talk to experts and get like you know, research, especially with Heather's ADHD brain. She's an amazing researcher, so she can get us like cool facts and information on how we can approach our day-to-day life with the brains that we have, because we can't change them. They're in our they're in our heads for good. I think one of the biggest things that I've been, you know, learning and I think things that we've talked about too is it's not about changing your brain. It's about changing the environment that your brain is in. And I think that's a kind of important, you know, different way to look at the world. Um, and so really trying to figure out, well, what are these different brains that we have and what are these different facets of them? Totally. And I think the more we talk, like the more you and I talked about it, the more I was like, oh, well, if that's something that Heather's learned because she discovered this ADHD aspect of her life, well, oh, I can look at it and look at her in a different way and expect different things and not and just understand more. And the more we like discussed our brains together and even like Heather for my anxiety, like she understood, okay, well, when Sarah's texting me like this, it means that she's having a high anxiety day. So I'm going to approach it in a different way. So the more we were open about kind of what we thought were quote unquote struggles, we just became to realize that, no, that's just how we operate. And the people that love us and that are around us, I didn't think I was going to cry already, are going to be able to like support us and just honor us as our brains are and not us having to like try to fit into a mold um, that we think society is expecting but we can like we can almost educate the world on how we need to be accepted if that makes sense I don't know now the tears are coming (laughs) that makes sense because I think like one thing that I think was really helpful for me I mean we were going to talk about this later but the idea of like going to the right type of like going to therapy but the right type of therapy that's specific for the things that your brain needs totally and I think that's been really helpful to talk with a specialist around ADHD has helped understand myself so much more than I ever have yeah. and I have been to therapy many many times and and I didn't know why it wasn't working and I was like oh because they're putting the wrong lens mm-hmm. on me yeah. and what I was going through and I think like one of the things that was really like eye-opening is when my therapist said, the world is built for neurotypicals and you are not neurotypical. Yeah. So what I think we all do and whether or not you don't have to have a diagnosis, it can just be like this expectation of my brain has to work in this way. I have to do this type of thing in the world. I have to be this type of person. And these can be based on not just how our brains work, but like the identity of who we are. So it's like, being a woman, being from a certain place, being 
of a certain education or whatever, those all of those layers of our identity, mm-hmm. we are expected to be a certain thing. And so we are forcing ourselves to like go through the world and we're like, well, who actually is the world currently built for? Yeah. And it's like understanding that makes us go, okay, so if the world was, you know, first made for, I'll say it, cis white men (laughs) (laughs) who are neurotypical. 100%. Yep. And you look through that lens and you realize, oh, there's all these layers of the way the world works, the way the world is created Mm -hmm. that I've been trying to mold myself into. The systems that are there that we try to fit into. Yes. That aren't made for us. But- being a cis white woman, there are many facets of these systems that actually do fit me. Yes. Or that that are made for me. Yeah. So it's about like, there's intersectionality there in terms of like identif- identifying that we are benefiting from elements of the world being built in the way it is and not benefiting from other parts of it and being able to be both part of and not part of at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's this interesting thing that we talk about whoever is the coming from the point of privilege is don't ever think of themselves in terms of their, that they're white or cis or male, but people who come from whatever the other is. So I'd look at myself in the mirror and I, I wouldn't say necessarily, Oh, look, there's a white woman. I'd say I'm a woman mm-hmm. because that's my difference. But then maybe someone of color, like a woman might go, Oh, I'm a black woman because those are the, the points of differences from this system that has been created for us to live in. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. For me, as a film and television editor, when I was first in the industry, there was like maybe one other woman in my area. And so I identified as the female editor because I needed to fit into that system that I couldn't even comprehend that, no, there's space for all of us, but there was only space for one of us. And I needed that to be me in order to feel like, quote unquote, I could succeed. Mm -hmm. And so once I like saw that, you know, like years later and was like, I shouldn't be threatened by other I need to bring these women up. Like, this is not, I don't want to fit into the system anymore. I want to make the system different. Mm -hmm. And I think the more we talk about identity and we think about who we think we are, who we think others think we are, and we like take that time to reflect inward, where like going, finding the right therapist, like your therapist saying to you, the world's not built for you and your brain but you can still exist in this world and this is how it's going to work. Where for me, finding a therapist to like break down the, you don't have to be the best. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be whatever, right? Be you and you are unique in your own way and you will provide a certain thing because it's you and nobody else is you. Mm -hmm. It's almost like just accepting our being as we are and not having, you know, coming as we are and not having to change. Yeah. This kind of like realization that like I realized that when I was younger, and you know we've and we will speak about this on future podcasts because we'll go deeper into some of these subjects. But you know, growing up, we lived in a very small community, and we kind of our socioeconomic status changed. And when doing so, we became really ostracized from our community, and we became very isolated. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, and that, and having that experience, made me want to always fit in and always like shape myself in a way that would be would find acceptance, yeah. right? So not allowing myself to be who I am. Yeah. And then I realized that there's another layer to that of like having, being someone with ADHD and never feeling like I quite fit in, but didn't know why. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then like having that feeling of like, well, I don't, if I don't belong, I'm going to be like, like kicked out again. Yeah. Yeah. And so 
I think there's this thing of like, they talk a lot about like masking and I'm like, oh yeah, like I always like pretend I know what's going on. And even if I don't know what's going on, like I'm a very intelligent person, but um, I've realized there's things like with ADHD, it's like, for instance, going into like a party and there's a million people. I don't just listen to one person. I listen to all people. Yeah. And I always thought it was because I was rude and because I was like, like, oh, this person's boring me, even though I really want to engage with them. I was always like listening outward. And it's just because my brain does that. It just doesn't, it just listens to everything. Yeah. And it creates, um, essentially, you become overwhelmed. And, but I would hide these things because I just thought, well, I'm just not good enough. Mm. And so what I ended up doing for most of my life is like the thing that I can do and I have control over is like my accomplishments. Yeah. So like being the best, getting the solo, getting the job, um, doing all these things. And it just put all that pressure on myself so that I never felt like I was enough. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter if I got the job because I'm okay, well, that's done. What's the next thing? Yeah. Yeah. And like not celebrating the wins because it was the only thing that was my identity. Yeah. That's huge. And I think you're not alone in that. I feel like a lot of people in our society, especially in our current society of like hustle, 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 get the next thing, get the next thing, that we never get to stop and pause and be like, holy crap, I did that. Like, this is a great accomplishment. Or it's like, holy crap, did I even want to do that? Mm. Or am I just doing that because I feel like, oh, I need to get the next best job? Am I actually happy in this situation? Well, maybe not. Yeah. And redefining what accomplishment and what success means. And I think that's been a big conversation happening during COVID is that like, well, what does it mean to be successful? Like we can't actually go and do all those things that we used to do to be like the next and best greatest thing. It's like, what is our day-to-day success? Having loving relationships, you know, being happy right now, Mm -hmm. Uh, not having to like constantly strive because you want the world to accept you in a different way. Like there's so many, obviously we could talk for hours. (laughs) We will eventually talk for hours, but like there's so much that you can dissect in that area of like Mm -hmm. pausing for yourself. Well, what's the best thing for me? What is my next step? And, and then also for you, like, okay, you realize it's like, I want to fit in because I don't feel like I fit in. Now you have this diagnosis and a new understanding of how your brain works. Do you think that that lifted a bit? That, that feeling of needing to fit in in a different way? Well, definitely, like, less self-hatred that, and less shame. Yeah. I know this sounds like, I never thought of, I never thought that I hated myself, for, for instance. But I remember talking to my husband, John, about my, like, about therapy. I said something, like, my therapist is going to be away for a bit. And I said, no, but I've really identify a lot with her. Like, I feel like she's been really good for me. And he said, like, this is, he's like, this is the happiest I've ever seen you about yourself. Mm. And I think he's like, you come to me with like, you're curious, you're excited. You're like telling me these things that are about like how you work. And I've been able to like dissect my life and realize all of these choices. Yeah. And all of these, in some cases, mistakes that I made had a, there was a reason behind it. Mm -hmm. I remember like just this year being on a call with a, with a network yeah. Like in Canada and having this call and the call went fine. It was a good call. And I remember like finishing the call and standing in the kitchen, making myself a coffee. And I literally said to myself, you have to be a better person. Oh, Heather, you're the best person. Just for the record. What happened was it's the first thing when you get any type of thing, di- well, diagnosis or when you start to think about your brain in a different way. 
Yeah. You start to think it's about first, the first thing is about identification of like these things, identification of thoughts, of feelings. In my case, I had to go back to the beginning of needs like sleep and eating and just like, like I'm uh, really great at hyperfixating, which can be very good for productivity and bad for my body. <laughs> good for uh, organizing this podcast. I've been really appreciating Heather's ADHD right now, but I also want her to sleep and eat and take care care of herself. <laughs> yeah. And I've, and I've had to like, I'm learning how to do that where I would, I would normally stay up till four in the morning working on projects to get things done. And it's not the optimum time for my brain to work. Mm -hmm. So I realized like I was doing a project where I knew I had to pull 16 hour days and it's not good for anyone's body or brain to do that. No. But I kind of realized, okay, I can't do it. You know, yes, I could do an eight hour day, an eight hour day, an eight hour day, but we had to hit some deadlines. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to shift my days. So I'm going to work some longer days, but still account for the time and my worth. But I knew that my brain was going to not work as well and I'd make mistake, more mistakes. Mm -hmm. So, and I was so proud of myself because I'm like, okay, I'm going to work until 10 p.m., I'll give myself an hour to wind down, go to sleep at 11, mm -hmm. get up at six. It gives me seven hours of sleep and I'll start working again. And I did that. And this is the first time that I have allowed myself to be like, no, identifying that I need sleep. Oh, it's so good. To work better. And I was like the proudest person. Yeah. I'm I like told my you. therapist, I'm like, I went to, I made <laughs> I the deadlines and I went to sleep. And <laughs> she's like, that's the best. Yeah. Because I mean, like everyone's brain works better on sleep, but ADHD brains specifically work much better when you've slept. Yeah. And it's actually one of the most important things because, you know, we talk we talk a lot about like how we we kind of like will power through a day or power through a moment. And then at the end of the day, we're like, oh, I'm really like stressed out and strung out and I'm like tight, tight up, like tightened up. Yeah. I guess I'll have a bath. And you're like, I'm sorry, that bath ain't gonna do nothing. Yeah. Like you needed to protect yourself like from the beginning. You need to get enough sleep. You need to take breaks in the day. You need to realize like how much can I actually do to function and like realizing like identifying those things. Yeah. So do you think previously to the ADHD diagnosis that you didn't f even consider that? Like you didn't consider about having a a routine that is to take care of yourself. Like, I feel like I've struggled with this to try to like realize, and I've just recently as well been like, no, I work best on eight and a half, eight to nine hours of sleep. Luckily I have a young child who goes to bed early and I often fall asleep with her. So I am able to get that in. But like there was times in the past with working as a freelancer, like if I was awake and I didn't have anything to do, which I guess this is another, I don't know, a thing of, of numbing or like you, I would just work. I would just keep working. Mm -hmm. And then, but now that I have this set routine that was kind of forced, I was forced to have it because I had a child, mm -hmm. that I am way more pro productive in my world of work because I am getting that sleep and I'm taking, I'm stopping working at certain times. I'm taking the breaks because in a way they were forced, but now it's my routine. So because I, I immigrated to the UK at one point, then I immigrated to the US and I had to work day jobs. Mm -hmm. Now, some of them were very intense, like, especially in the US, like, my goodness. <laughs> um, you know, working specifically, I was working in first more journalism and and then kind of an advertising where I used a lot of the journalism um, aspects of my previous jobs. And um, you were forced into a routine. Mm, yeah. I realized, like, in a lot of times they're like, you thrive, ADHD, like, I didn't know this, that you thrive in those situations. So, like, 
I can do like that's why a lot of times it's not caught until people leave school. Yeah. Or go into university. Like I realized there's a lot of things. I had so many like things Cues. that there's so many things. Yeah. <laughs> like and we'll talk about that. We'll do a specific one on ADHD. Yeah, for sure. We don't want this to all be about that. <laughs> but it is like part of now coming to terms with it and identifying as like some people are like an ADHD or I that is how my brain is built. Yeah. It's a neurodevelopmental disorder. It's a disability. And to be able to claim this, to to feel like I just, A, you don't know how many years I knew. Like, even my husband's like, he's like, you've known for like a lot of your life. And like, not a, no, quite a, yeah. At least I'll say six years. And like, even your like siblings, like we were like, once I started understanding what ADHD was, I was like, oh, I think this is Heather. I think like, and, but it's different until you discover it yourself right until or until you i guess accept it or get that diagnosis that made you be like no i can embrace this this is okay right well what happened was i i'm like i think i have this and then the second thought is i can't have this yeah i'm too smart i remember that yeah yeah i'm successful i've done all these things yeah i'm too capable yeah which is where you fall into that still, I think, a, maybe struggle a bit about calling it a disability because for you, you see the, there's, well, and I see it too, there's so many extra abilities that you have from the way your brain is is wired. But also in the past, it caused you a lot of strife and struggle mm-hmm. and, and, and hard hardship because of, because of the way you're like, because of not knowing or... Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, like not even realizing how much you were being down on yourself because of just the way your brain operates. And I think it's interesting as your as your sister is that like there are certain things where it's like, I know this is just how Heather is. And I never, never looked at you in a bad light because maybe you run late. Like I didn't those things didn't make me think, oh, she's a horrible human. I'm like this is just Heather, period. And that's okay. Like, I still love her. She's my sister. I'm always going to love her. And I'm sure there's things about me where like, well, that's just Sarah, right? Like, we just have our things. But I think it's it's coming back to like, you have to accept yourself. Yes. And then those things, because it's what you l- say in your own brain, me as well. Right. That really matters more than what other people tell you. Right. And it's also about, I think sometimes we hyper fixate on one element of our identity. Oh, huge. Yeah. And I think that it happens a lot. It happens a lot to many people. And I think it's that idea of like, well, once I had this diagnosis, it doesn't take away all the other things that I am. Mm-hmm. And also we're allowed to shape the way that these things are. I mean, I'm a wife and a sister and a daughter. I am a plant mom. And a really cool auntie. And a cool auntie. <laughs> and I'm friend like I'm all these things those are parts of my identity but they don't have to be what is dictated by society to be Mm -hmm. and it's also like to me like having ADHD is a strong layer into how I interact with all those people so it impacts all of those parts facets of my life yeah but it's not the only thing that I identify as or identify through Mm -hmm. like and it's interesting because it is like I think I resisted a long time to be in a relationship with someone in a serious manner because I always, I didn't want to be, I always was afraid of being like stuck in the suburbs and Mm. 
like, not that this is bad, like, it's not bad. It's just like, for me, like growing up in a small town where everyone ostracized us, I couldn't ever go back to that space again, because Interesting, yeah. to me, that identified that place with that horrible feeling. Right. And I love living in big cities. And I thought, well, you know, I see so many people like get married and move out to the the burbs because it's more affordable and then having yeah. this family and doing yeah. this thing. And I'm like, to me, that feels like being trapped. Interesting. And I don't want that to be my, but there's that thing in your head that you're like, but that's, what's that expectation of who I'm going to be? And like, right. Pro hit, like kind of preventing it from, even yeah, being you're blocking it from being except mm-hmm. like something that you, so do you think that having this insight and sh- you know, the shift in like, you know, the, again, bring it back to the diagnosis, but also like, okay, that happened when we were kids. Like, that's probably not going to happen as an adult. Like, do you still feel that same amount of like, oh, I can never go there? Or is it shifted now that you've accepted yourself in a different way? Um, I don't want to ever live in. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if I logically. And that's fair. I, yeah, I can logically. Fair. No, but then I also love cities so much because there's just so much to do here. And yeah, I love like I spend a lot of time. I live in multiple cities because of my work, but I live a lot of time in like places like Toronto and New York. And I love like I can get all these types of food. And like I really identify as being a very urban dweller. Yeah. And that's part of my identity, too. Like this is part of who I am. It's not that I don't love like going for walks in the woods or like doing things like relaxing somewhere in front of a fire, like which is what we just did over the Christmas holiday. Yeah. But I, it's not the place I want to be permanent. It just doesn't feel like home. And I think, and I also lived in London and I think like living in those cities and feeling, oh, I can dip my toe in when I want and I can step out when I want. Mm -hmm. And it just like for me and the way that my brain works and the opportunities that it gives you, it just to me was, is the most valuable. Yeah. And as of right now in my life, that's just, I don't see myself, but I do think there is some of that thing that sits over me from my past. But it's also like, I also have to think about but what is also my preference. And I think that is my preference. And I have to be okay with saying, I don't have to have a reason. No, you just like it. And I think that I just like, it. I think that's another, that is great that you say that because I think that's a thing where I, as women often, and maybe it's just even, I know you and I both experience like wanting to please everybody and make sure every, you know, being a, I'm trying to break up with being a people pleaser, but like making sure everyone, and this could be coming from our background as well, making sure everybody else is okay. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you want to do? What do you like? What do you feel like eating? What do you, blah, blah, blah. where do you want to live? And like making sure our partners and our family, everybody's happy. Mm-hmm. And then not t- taking the time to stop and be like, well, what the heck do I actually want? Mm-hmm. And does this align with me? And who am I? Like, so I think we talk about identity. It's like, Sometimes we need to like take those moments and I for me therapy's helped talking to you's helped to like well what is it what is it for me what am I what is my choice and not thinking about what anybody else that's under my world of what I've been quote unquote responsibility but like what do I ultimately want and maybe I don't want to eat pizza that day maybe I want to have whatever but you know like it can be simple as what are we eating as to where we want to live mm-hmm. and what's the best for us and or what's the best for you yourself first mm-hmm. and then and we don't always get – I never really gave myself that opportunity in the past to really think about, well, what do I want? Mm-hmm. I was always making sure everybody else was okay, which then for me led to, like, anger. I You know, I had a lot of anger because I was always making sure everybody else was okay and then we would get to say – say for, like, a vacation 
you know, somebody like, oh, I'm, I'm easygoing. I'm going to let somebody else plan it. I'm so easygoing. Yay me. And then you get to the vacation and you're not doing anything you want to do because you didn't take the time to decide, well, what do I want to do on this vacation? And then you're bored or you're whatever. And then I would get mad and I'm like mm-hmm. wasting this wonderful time being mad because I just didn't voice what I or think about what I wanted. Yeah. And so I saw those patterns in life and then realized like, well, like I got to shift. Mm-hmm. And what do, what's, you know, you're the only one that can speak for yourself. So you got to yeah. figure out what to say, you know? Yeah. And be able to understand what I want and not to just to do the things. It's not even, it can be people pleasing, but it can also just be like, oh, well, I'm this, this is what I identify. I'm the boss. I'm the, this, I'm the, like, I'm the wife. So I have to do those things. Like I have to do those tasks mm, or I have yeah, to like, yeah, yeah. And I think that's the thing too, is realizing like, what is choice and what is like something we believe we have to do. And I think like, you know, it's like having those conversations because I, I know for sure when I get, when I feel like I'm being forced into very gender nor- normative yes. roles, I get <laughs> <Yeah>. very angry. <laughs> and I think it's just because again, there is something in like, it makes me feel like trapped and it makes me feel like, um, I'm, it's not fair. Like fairness to me is really important. And so fair is so huge for you. Yeah. It's, it's like one of my biggest things, but that's across the board. Like, let's be fair for everybody. Let's like, it's about fairness, like about everything. And then having conversations with my partner about like right now, there's a difference in terms of how much money we make. I make less now that I'm a full-time writer than I did when I worked in advertising. Like that's like that's the reality, that's reality of, of the biz. No, but also of the biz and like switching to like full time. Totally. Yeah. And hopefully like it will eventually go back to the same level, but it's going to just be like a very different type of work environment. So, you know, part of our agreement is that he takes a little bit more of a financial load. Like we split things in terms of like how much we're making. But then in doing so, he's like, well, then, you know, it really helps me if you do things like I mean, we had this conversation where. He's like, it helps me when you do the dishes mm-hmm. like or things that are really stressed that, that get like that can pile up. If you can help with that, then it can like that's like part of your contribution. And oftentimes like we have to live apart, but not because not because we want to. We like each other, um, <laughs> but it's because. I have to like work in like I've been going up and working in Toronto and I split my time like I'm a resident of Canada and I also live in the States some of the time. And so I have to split my time and sometimes we're not together. So we have a different type of relationship than other people may have. And it it works for us and we like it and we find the best way. And that's it. Like not everything like we kind of put a lot of the times like this is what being a wife is and this is what being a mother Mm -hmm. is and this is what being a, a family member is. This is what being a writer is. This is what's being like all these things that we think like this is how it has to be. You have to do it this way. And I'm like, you don't. Yeah. Don't have to. Yeah. And I think just having those conversations is huge. Like, and I look at my own relationship too. Like we are very not on the gender norm train at all. And I, and I am proud of that. I would feel the same way as you, if, uh, you know, being like trapped or like I have to do it that way because society is making it. And like, luckily my husband's very not into that. So like for us, which just makes you feel comfortable in your home, right? To feel like you don't have to follow any sort of specific rules to be a whatever. But also, right? there's there's no camera in my kitchen. Exactly. Showing, like, who knows? Oh, Heather's got to do the dishes today or she's not a good wife. Like, like literally that's bullshit. zero people. 
know yeah. how we run our what households. Happened. Exactly. And nobody needs to know. Or but, but in a way, it's like maybe people do need to know, like, okay, this is the setup that this relationship has and it's working great. Like you don't have to have a normal, quote unquote, what what the world thinks is a normal relationship. Because no two people are the same. And everybody has different ways of what's comfortable for their living, how they like to clean, how they like to organize. Like, you just have to do what's best for you and your partner in your house. Mm -hmm. And everybody else can fuck off. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) But, like, when you're younger, you don't realize that you can make your own life. Like, it's almost like, Mm -hmm. well, we got to follow the rule of, like, this is the order. Right. And that's going to take me to, like, so part of our podcast, like we want to, you know, this is our intro podcast because we want to talk about the things that we are going to talk about in our podcast. And one of them is like the representation of all of this stuff on film and television. Yeah. Which is where we make these rules is because we see it on the TV, right? The TV and the movies. Anyway, continue. Yes. No, but that's exactly what I was going to say is like part of the podcast, like, you know, we'll talk about our own experiences. We'll also talk to an expert as many times as we can, if we can find the right expert or someone who's also experiencing, you know, some of these things. And then we're going to talk about in every episode, the impact of film and television on the very, the subject that we're talking about. Exactly. So things like identity and like looking at, you know, we want to see things in a different way. Like I really want more shows to show friendships between men and women, real friendships, not, Ooh, but maybe they got together. Or, like, they started off as friends and now they're lovers. And that can happen. Yeah. But you can also just have friends. You can also just have friends. <laughs> yes. And it's okay to just have friends. And I feel like we're not normalizing that. And there can still be dra- drama. There's drama between two women who are friends. They're not automatically going to become lovers. So I think what we really want to do is, like, highlight the t- the shows and films and maybe even, like, if we want to, depending on the, the thing we're talking about, it could be also books, music, you know. But I think for for me, like, it's this is our business that we're in. And, like, one of the things that I'm always trying to do is, like, how do we get better representation of kind of, like, our individual things? Like, that idea of getting that specificity mm-hmm. for relatability, but also to really show what those things are like. Yeah, yeah. And to, to show the different ways that we are and the different ways that we can be yeah. and not continue to show us doing the same things over and over again. And it reinforces the way that we think about the mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. And we need to see ourselves reflected. And, and in ways that are, you know, that can be negative, but also positive. Like, I want to see positive representation of things around mental illness and ADHD and, like, not being always a joke or being the thing like, oh, the serial killer has to be crazy. Um, or just the use of the word crazy, like, all over the shop is just, like makes me not very happy not happy i yeah i am with you i am with you i try to use the word wild when you know typically you would say crazy i'd be like let's be wild it's wild hair day why do we have to call it crazy day hair day at school i don't like it yeah i don't appreciate it and there's so much proof in the world that we've seen the impact of having like seeing transitional characters change in terms of like their when they start to interact with characters they might normally interact with and seeing how that changes them and how that they can accept the world in a different way. Yeah. And I think like, that's something that I always try to, to do in my own work because I'm like, this is, I want some of these things to be seen in a different light Mm -hmm. and to, you know, continue to push that boundary always. We've made, we've made a list of all the things we want to talk about and it could, it's going to grow and grow and grow. (laughs) 
because even just in this short time, as we've discussed, uh, identity is like encompasses all the things. So like, obviously we're trying to talk about ADHD, um, anxiety and depression, disordered eating and language around that, um, learning disorders, the fitness world, uh, drinking and like, what is self-care? And then like the, the idea of genius and intelligence when it comes to creativity or just life, um, relationships, like the list can go, is going to go on and on and on. But I feel like there's going to be a lot of, we're going to learn a lot. We hopefully you'll learn a lot. And again, like we said earlier, we want to try to get experts for each topic so that we have real resources that you can, you know, look to. Um, we want to try to incorporate that as well through all, every episode, like a list of resources on this specific topic. Because I'm in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and Heather's in New York at this current time, possibly Toronto <laughs> in future recordings, or who knows, LA, who knows where she'll be. But that we can find resources, you know, no- across North America to offer our audience. Um, I don't know. I'm really excited. <laughs> To dive into all this. I think like it's very exciting to be talking about this, like Sarah and I, to have this conversation. Um, but I think it's like going to be really exciting to hear from these experts mm-hmm. or from these people who have been studying it longer. Because I, I, you say experts, but again, all of our, these things in our lives are very multifaceted totally. and they all kind of like layer on top of each other. So like no one approach ever works. So, you know, none of this will be advice, like official advice. This is all going to just be like suggestions and things that they're thinking about. So again, like we always want to like emphasize and and stress that you should go see a therapist mm-hmm. or go see an expert that can work one-on-one with you because all of this that we'll be talking about will definitely be just stuff that's like directional, but not official advice. Exactly. Yeah. It's always important if you're struggling with anything to, you know, talk to your medical professional or your mental health professional to get the mm-hmm. correct help or the the right help that you need. Because, I, you know, exactly. there's going to be topics I'm sure that might, and we'll always make sure that we, uh, you know, inform our, our listeners of any sensitive topic, but there could be moments where things could be triggering and we don't want anybody to feel unsafe and not mm-hmm. protected. So yeah, it's hugely important to make sure that we're all taking care of ourselves. As me and Heather both, we go see our therapists on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. It's very important. And that's something that we want to make sure that the world knows. And again, like I'll stress, and I said this earlier, to go to the the therapist that would really be able to to discuss and understand like what you're going through. Mm-hmm. Like I've been to cognitive behavioral therapy and I've been to just regular therapy. And I remember like saying like, number one, always late. Like I've now like worked on that. Like I've a lot. Yeah. But like just inevitably because of like, you know, putting the wrong priority on the wrong things. Yeah. But never like flagged. Yeah. Like, and things oh, like this should be a, this is a symptom of something else. <laughs> I remember one time I said, when I walked down the street and the time I was in New York, when I walked down the street in New York, I like having my headphones in, even if there's no music playing, because it just makes everything feel a little less. Mm. Clearly a sign of almost overstimulation. <laughs> oh, yes. And I was told, you're just anxious. Yeah. But I'm like, I don't feel anxious. Like, I'm like, I do not feel anxious. I just need the world to be a little quieter. And I realized, like, I don't like going to malls very much. And again, people are like, oh, it's anxiety. I'm like, nope, I'm not anxious. Yeah. I'm just like, people are annoying and they're in my way and everything's loud <laughs> and it's very bright. And, and I realized, like, now I'm like, oh, it's just overstimulation. And it, ADHD has the fun, because I'm um, ADHD-C, which is a combo. So it's hyperactivity, impulsivity, and in, inattentiveness. So it's all of them. 
um, in all different, like, think of it like a spider spider graph. So they all are at different levels because um, the spectrum isn't from like A to B. Because Spe- spectrum disorders, people think I think it's a like a B. rainbow or whatever, right? Like that's what I picture. Yeah, but it's yeah. it's actually just like a spider graph. Interesting. So like different levels of things, right? Yeah. So for me, like all of that was just overstimulating, and then um, ADHD, like my flavor, my emotions sit very close to the surface, mm-hmm. um, and I feel feelings very deeply. Mm-hmm. So to me, it just brought my frustration. It brings my frustration to the top, and I don't know why I'm like, why am I so like touchy? Like, why is, why am I hot and like uncomfortable and, but I'm not anxious. Yeah. Yeah. And um, even though like ADHD and anxiety do our best friends, it's something different and no one caught it. Yeah. And I think it's because, well, we'll talk about this more in the, in the ADHD episode, but like women, it's just, it wasn't ever caught in women or young girls. No, It's like just recently in the last, I want to say five years, maybe not even that long Yeah, that more I'm seeing more, I'm seeing more women, um, my age and in my friends group talking about ADHD than I have ever in my life. Mm-hmm. Cause it was just not something that girls didn't have quote unquote, but that's a common thing too, that we can probably talk about is that, you know, all of medical stuff is all done on white men. So like we don't have the mm-hmm. proper information or studies because it's not being done. But anyway, that's a whole other tirade. I could go down. <laughs> it's a whole other topic, but, but I agree. So I think, yeah, for, for us, just like, really stressing and like finding the right people in your life into whatever capacity that is. Cause I know sometimes it's hard, like cost, th- there's so many barriers. Cost is hard. Yeah. There's so many barriers, but there's other ways to like, sometimes it's like finding the right friend group to have mm-hmm. conversations mm-hmm. with. Like, I think there's other ways. And I think also just always being curious and like looking at, and sometimes like things can be overwhelming, like going on Twitter and like looking at any hashtag or yeah. on Instagram, like yeah. it becomes overwhelming. So I think like just, and also sometimes not good advice. Totally. So like sometimes it's like, okay, go find the expert who has like a YouTube channel and just look at that or find the book that is like a good resource that it helps you just think about things a little differently. Like those things can be really helpful too. And, but if you're in a crisis to always make sure you go and, and get the right help. And I think this is something like we will, as best as we can, supply like from our expert ask the expert well where should somebody look for help in this situation what Mm -hmm. are some books and we'll you know we'll share that information and i think that's i don't know i I feel like we're gonna grow lots you and i we're gonna learn lots Mm, i hope so hopefully everybody else learns lots it's gonna be pretty fun (laughs) well i like i think that's the thing is that like as we started talking about brains it's not just about like (laughs) disorders yeah (laughs) it's like but it's all about there's all those facets of identity are related to like how we think, how we move through the world. Well, our brain is everywhere in our bodies. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like it is us. Yeah. So like this is really about what makes us us. Yeah. Like yeah. we said at the beginning. And I think that the biggest theme for me in my life right now is to look at everything with curiosity. If something starts to like prickle, it's like, well, why is that happening? Let's be curious instead of like pushing pushing it away or trying to stop whatever that feeling is. So I think that's what. I'm going to take with this endeavor we're doing with brains is to be really curious. And like, when we talk to our experts, it's like, tell me more. Like, I want to just absorb all of it. And just like, I just, yeah, I want to understand instead of being like fearful and getting that, I just want to discover like more. Okay. So I listened to a podcast called script notes. Mm -hmm. So good with John August and Craig Mason. And at the end 
of every podcast, they talk about like a thing that they think is awesome. We love it. So we want to incorporate that into our world too. Yes. So I wanted to do like, we're just going to call it one awesome thing. Yeah. 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 Something like that. Yeah. One awesome thing. One awesome thing. Yeah. So do you want me to go first? Yeah, you do it. Okay. So this is one, I mean, this is one awesome thing that has been, I've been obsessed with is there, so I love board games. Mm Mm-hmm. I can tell you that she does. I have always loved board games. It's actually like when I moved to New York, I found a board game group and I met a whole bunch of people. And that's actually my first friend group in New York that was not like related to my work, like either my job job or at the time, like I always feel like I was doing two jobs, like my day job and my film world job. Yeah. Now you've only have one, which is great. Well, kind 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 of. of. (laughs) Well, I mean, what is ever one thing? Now you're just freelancing. So it's anyway, continue on. So I want to talk about a game that I love. And it's called Gloomhaven. I specifically love Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion. You can download an app that reads out the introduction and conclusions of each quest. And when we play, my husband and I put on D&D Spotify playlists. (laughs) I thought you were going to say you're going to put on costumes is where I thought it was going. But I'm glad it's just a musical playlist. Okay, continue. No, musical playlist. So essentially, it's basically like you are a character. So it's kind of like Dungeons and Dragons, but you don't have a game master. It's kind of like the game is already set. And you basically have to fight all these different monsters. But we love it because it's a cooperative game, which is very useful for me because I'm extremely competitive. Yes. Which is also part of ADHD, I found, which is awesome. Okay. Because I feel like, oh, I'm just going to say that. No, but it's true. It is. I Um, I believe you. (laughs) Do you? Um, But it's a really fun game. I would recommend that one. The, the regular Gloomhaven and soon to be out Winterhaven, I'm just going to go down deep on this, are like just huge. So they become kind of like, we had to buy like a special folder to put stuff in. Like it's, oh, wow. it's a lot. So when we found, we were in Toronto and I was like, oh, I really wish we had Gloomhaven. And so we bought this Jaws of the Lion and we're like, wow, this is great. Everything's smaller and more compact. So to me, it's my favorite version and it allows you to just have fun and you can like play these characters and do this kind of be in this fantasy world, but you don't have to like pretend you're a character, which I never really love doing. I just like yeah to be a character like in a game, but not me pretending to be someone. I just, it's not, I don't find that fun. Anyway, so Gloomhaven Jaws of the of the Lion. I would recommend that. Okay. I, so I have two things that have been, that have been awesome, but ridiculous. So um, over the holidays, I got back into I want to try reading more in 2022 this is like a thing that I'm trying to do me too so I read cheesy romance books so the one one I read was the lies that bind by Emily Griffin and it was ridiculous but I had to like finish it and then the other one I read was Verity by Colleen Hoover it was nice because I like often I do watch a lot of tv which I think is I'm okay with it because that's what I do for a living but I spent two weeks like sitting by the fire reading which was awesome and then my other thing, which I haven't told Heather that I'm doing this and I'm excited, I signed up for a creative writing class. Oh! And I did my first one on Sunday. And it's kind of like a, I think it's like self-discovery through creative writing is what it's titled. It was really cool because all these people that are in this class are writers. I've always, again, to identity, never would call myself a writer, even though as an editor, I'm writing all the time, but I could never like get that. I'd be like, I can't call myself a writer. Like, I'm not a writer. But then doing this class, I listened. This They're like, uh, one of the things was like, write about something about forgiveness in 2021. And so then this lady read her her thing she wrote and she like wrote it as if like a narrative, as if it was like a story. And I was like, oh, I've never thought about like writing my experience out as a story. Mm-hmm. And so I did it with one thing that happened. And it was like 
so fun and cathartic and amazing. And I was like, no wonder Heather loves writing. Like, this makes sense. So I'm really excited. It's a it's every Sunday in January that I'm taking this uh, one and a half hour writing class. That's awesome. Yeah. Way to go. Maybe we'll write something together one day. Mm. Bum, bum, bum. Let's start with a podcast. Okay, yeah, we can do that. <laughs> <laughs> one thing at a time. One thing at a time. <laughs> I think we covered a lot under identity, so I, I think maybe it's time to say goodbye. I guess it is. I feel like identity is the gateway into all of these other facets of our brains. So I guess that's it. Saying goodbye is really hard. We don't want to say goodbye, but we have to. Bye. Bye. <laughs> if you want to reach out to us, we're on Instagram and Twitter at Brains Podcast. It's spelled B-R-A-A-I-N-S podcast. You can also go to our website, brainspodcast.com, where you can contact us, subscribe, and find out a little more about who we are and what we do. Brains is produced and hosted by Heather and Sarah Taylor. Theme song created by our little brother, Depish. And our lovely graphic design was created by Julie Kramer of Perpetual Notion. This episode was mixed and mastered by Tony Bao.